we have a lot of healing to do. Welcome to my podcast. Uh, my name is Mette Mitchell uh, and I am the founder of a program called Path and Sky where I offer tools to recover from different stressful situations. So these stressful situations, they can be a stressful relationship, a stressful workplace, stressful family relations, um, anything that causes you to get whacked out of balance, basically. The system I have put it together, uh, or this, I call it a system, maybe it's not so much a system, it's just an offering where you can go in and you can uh, learn about different philosophies, different systems actually, um, that will offer you some advice on how to reco recover after stressful situations and also offer you some insight into why it is this happened in the first place. And when we look at why this happened in the first place, then we're not looking at so much what's actually going on in the world right now, but much more in what's going on with you. And that's what this series is about, so that we get a real holistic perspective on our own mental and physical health. Some of these things that I grab for uh, in this series, they are very, very old, uh, more than a thousand years old, uh, different philosophies and understandings of human life, so that we can get back into the core of ourselves and get away from this surface stress surface existence that is very much what it is that we are experiencing today. In my day job, I am a homeopath, and that of course gives me an understanding of holistic health, real, true, holistic health. And real, true, holistic health is just so much further beyond from our physical symptoms. Our physical symptoms is something that you should look at more like the lights flashing up in the dashboard <laughs> of your car. And when you take your car in for repair in the garage, then you don't expect them to heal the dashboard or to fix the dashboard in a way so that the lights are not flashing up anymore. No, you are, of course, expecting them to look deeper into the system of the car, deeper into the engine, to find out what is the root cause of this light flashing up. And it's the same way, from my perspective, from the homeopathic perspective, that when we have physical symptoms in the body, it is simply the dashboard that is flashing up. And it's not the dashboard that needs fixing. It's something way more deeper into our own bodily engine. In this series, you will, however, also find advice about homeopathic remedies. I will also give some offerings on uh, what remedies might be helpful. But if you want to go in and you want to have a, like a real... Uh, 
homeopathic help, then you should go and see a homeopath, basically. Because it is a lot to grasp, and it is a lot to try to understand. Uh, and it's an education that takes a long time. Uh, you learn a lot from sitting opposite patients, and that can simply not be replaced even by these offerings that I'm bringing in Path and Sky. But more than anything with this new project and this new offering, one thing that I really, really, really do want to offer is a place where there's no aggression, there's no anger, there is simply, purely a desire to heal and to put the pieces back together in a better way than they were before. Um, but when I scroll through my own feeds, if it's on Facebook, if it's on YouTube, uh, yeah, mostly, mainly, of course, these channels, I try to stay away from Twitter. Then I hear a lot of angry voices. There's a lot of angry people. There's a lot of things to be angry about. And it is true. There is a lot of things to be angry about. There is a lot of things happening in our world today that is just plainly destructible. It's destructible for physical human life. And also it is destructible for us to sit and listen to it all the time. And I'm not asking anyone to turn their backs on the current human global situation. I think it is something that we need to be activists about, but we also need to balance it out. And we need to listen to content, listen to um, methods that come with a kind of a solution to these things, instead of just pointing out the problems. I think we all know what the problems are, and there's a lot of different angles to look at the problems from and there's a lot of great people speaking up and I have also been following some great people myself uh, in particular uh, on YouTube but it's almost as if my, my my barrel is full now I can't take any more angry voices I can't take any more name calling they're stupid um, they don't understand and how can they do and how can they say and these types of things. I understand that there are things to be outraged about and there are things that should be mentioned and should be said out loud. But we also need to have places to go where we can just quietly recover and where we can withdraw and where we can start looking at very the very close life that we live so that is our own house what's going on in our own house what's going on with your inner self because that's the ultimate tool that we need to be able to live and a nice life and 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 to be able to progress through life so we can be able to move on and I think that in these times right now, it's obvious that we do need a lot of healing tools. 
The thoughts that I am presenting in Path and Sky, they are tools that I have gotten to know throughout my own life that hasn't always <laughs> been that easy. And I don't think that many of us can say that our lives have been directly super easy. But maybe one of the things that I have been lucky to have in my life is that I have been surrounded by many people that has offered different types of healing that has offered me more gentle perspectives on life and have also not been shy to point out where it is I can do things instead of just leaning back and expecting somebody else to do something for me. And just to give you like a quick overview, what did I do in my life? Okay, I, I started out... Um, moving out alone quite early on when I was 15. Um, I went from there. I've always been a hard worker and I have always been working hard. And I and I also very early on in my life got a, a pretty good career actually um, in an in a international company where I did wonderful, interesting, creative work that also offered me so many chances to travel all around the world, <laughs> almost all around the world. But I went to many, many, many places with that job. Uh, and I think because I was so young at the time and this company was like a dream come true for me, I nearly worked myself into the ground. I did work myself into the ground, actually. And I had to look at what was going on with me in those situations. And I had to try and take a bigger perspective on why it was that I was working myself into the ground, why it was that I never felt that I was good enough in what I was doing, why it was that I was always scared of losing my job. But at the same time also, as all of that took place, then... Exactly, uh, because I was traveling so much and I did go and visit so many different countries in my capacity of, of the job that I was doing. I was also introduced to many different cultures and many different perspectives on life and how to live life. And that's something that I see as maybe one of the most valuable insights that I have gained in my life. It is that I could travel around the world, visit the same st stores or shops. This, this was franchise, so all the shops, they looked exactly the same everywhere around the world. And I went out to the different places when the shops, they were opening. So in the last 10 days of opening and if you were in Sweden or if you were in Cyprus or if you were in Japan or if you were in China, if you were in England and Germany, you name it. Everybody did it in a different way. Nobody followed a script on how to build a store or how to build the shop. But in the end, we ended up with a shop <laughs> and they all looked the same. And I think that really fed my own kind of understanding that there's truly all roads, they lead to Rome. There are many, many ways of 
going to the same topic and to tackling the same assignment. And you can still reach a somewhat uh, good outcome or same outcome and definitely a good outcome and an interesting outcome. I have also, uh, I'm a mother of a child that was very sick for the first year of her life. Actually, she had meningitis two times in four months in the first year of her life. And that's what you can call like kind of like more like a car crash situation where everything falls apart, where your understanding of life before it doesn't really exist after. So it's like one of these big situations that just has a big massive impact on you and that just changes everything of what you do and how you feel. I ended up with um, very bad PTSD afterwards and that's also something that I had to find my way out of and even though while I was in the middle of the situation I thought I was never gonna get out of it but I did actually get out of it. And that was a very important lesson for me too, alongside many, many other things that I learned from that specific situation. But I did learn that we can get through really, really terrible things and we can get out on the other side. And if we do our work well, then we get out on the other side with new gifts that we didn't have before. I have also been in terrible relationships. I have been in uh, relationships with gaslighting, which is mental and emotional abuse. And I know how hard it is to understand what is going on with you while you are in it. It's only when you get out of it that you can start understanding what it is that actually happened to you. And I understand the damage that that comes with. And I'm still repairing myself. Uh, if I should, I was actually thinking here the other day, if I should compare the two experiences from when my daughter had meningitis and, and the gaslighting, which one would be worse? And I tend to actually think that the gaslighting was actually worse. Of course, I was also blessed with coming out from hospital again with a sick uh, with a healthy child after she had been so sick she actually came out um with a full recovery and then i could recover from that experience and it was very clear and easy to understand what it was that had happened to me in that this is much more difficult when it comes to gaslighting because it's, um, yeah, you can see I'm still struggling to kind of like explain and say what it was that was going on with me and what was going on in the relationship. But it is like more like a slow grinding down where you're just being worn down, worn out into a space where you start feeling like you have no power anymore. In the situation uh, with my child in hospital, I had power, I had things I could do. But when you are in a gaslighting relationship or work relationship or family relationship, 
where there's gaslighting, there is no, there is nothing you can do about it. All you can do is leave. I have made many mistakes in my life on my total own accord, uh, misguiding, I was misguided, I was misjudging, um, acting out of anger or fear, uh, which is not something that always brings a good outcome and it very quickly just becomes a getting away from a situation because you don't want to be in that situation anymore. And it's not so much about how can I fertilize my life? How can I fulfill my dreams? Um, it's not so much to do with that when you're acting from that space. But still, uh, acting out of anger and fear will very often bring you away from a situation that you don't want to be in, that you shouldn't be in. And then the uh, balance is to find out, find out how do you get to a place where you do want to be. And I would say that that is actually pretty well, very much uh, my life journey. Um, I'm not a victim. Uh, I'm just living my life and I am trying to learn from life and learn from everyone that I meet, even um, the stupidest people that I meet, uh, I meet them and I'm going to have to turn around and look at them as teachers and say, hey, what is it that you're here to teach me? Don't run away from the teacher or don't run away from the teaching, at least. Press the juice out of it that you can. I think that we have to. And that's, of course, one of the things that I learned from having a, a very sick child in hospital. When it all began, I was so aware that I was going to have to get some juice out of that experience. Or it would all just be a complete lost cause. But like I said also, I took a healthy child out from hospital. Not everybody does that. And then, of course changes everything. So with Path and Sky, I would like to bring some kind of hope, <laughs> some kind of hope. I would like to bring hope. I uh, would like to come with some messages uh, that will help you on your path. So when I say the path, I would say this is the surface that you are on where you take one step after the other, you put one foot in front of the other. This is very much related in this connection uh, to the quite physical experience or the experience that we have in our bodies. Um, where this is where we are, our reality, that is the path. And then the sky, the sky is where we can get some of these ancient messages from that can be information for us, that can help us on our path. And the first concept that I have, um, that I'm presenting on Path and Sky, it is a Japanese concept about wabi-sabi. And wabi-sabi, not wasabi, but wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi 
is the philosophy where you understand the beauty of imperfection, the incomplete and the impermanent. So it's where we, maybe you have seen these pictures of the broken bowls that has been put back together and you have kind of like highlighted um, where things have been put back together with gold. Uh, that's that's like a I would say like a very beautiful um, picture of what wabi sabi also is. So it is this celebration of seeing that there is a new beauty when we put things back together again. When it is a broken bowl, we put it back together and we put gold on top of the putty, and then that we created a new pattern and and a new sense of delicacy in this bowl and in this way we have a very visual understanding of that our brokenness can be very very beautiful or our imperfections can be very very beautiful and actually that is a core part of Vabi Sabi it is that the, the it's the imperfect that is the most interesting because when things are just perfect, when they're just, uh, when you have, let's say you have like 50 bowls standing on a shelf in some shop somewhere and you want to go and buy one of them, it's very, very easy. You just take one off the shelf, take it to the till and you pay for it and boom, it's yours. And you will know that lots of other people have the exact same thing. When we have something that is crafted and handmade, then we will see these little variations in each bowl. Even though they are same size, they can hold somewhat the same amount of, of water, and even though you have used the same colors and the same pattern and so on, as soon as it's made with the hands, then you have these slight variations in the bowls and maybe you will start picking them up and touching them, looking at them a little bit closer as so to understand which one do I like more, which one uh, is the most interesting to me. So none of these bowls then are perfect because they are perfectly manufactured. But no, once you start looking at them and looking at the variations, then you will also, at this moment, you will also see all the imperfections. You will see, oh, the the glazing uh, is running on this side. or Oh, I think the brush didn't hold enough paint to paint the whole pattern here and so on. But this comes with its own beauty. So that is the beauty of imperfection. The beauty of impermanence is described so well through cherry blossom, for instance. Cherry blossom, which is celebrated um, so happily in Japan, where you have the, the cherry trees when they start to blossom and they have this very short period of time where whole, all of Tokyo is now almost covered in pink. Or, you know, if you have a cherry tree in your garden, then you will know how beautiful a cherry tree looks when it's in when it's blossoming it has these cute little pink flowers and they won't stay very long and then everything will be 
on the ground again. But through that period of time, it is just such a poetic moment that we have. Uh, and of course it is impermanent and part of the juice in the cherry blossom is of course in its in the impermanence uh, that we know that it's not there for long so we have to celebrate it right now and be there with it right now and you can also turn it around and say if it was cherry blossom every day <laughs> would we even uh, be able to celebrated as much as we do and in fact there is like a very cute little Japanese poem about it that I have also added to the material about wabi-sabi uh, in Path and Sky. And then there's the beauty of the incomplete and that is where we have to or where we, where we get invited to step back and look at something and say okay when is something actually complete? Is it the cherry tree with the cherry blossoms? Is that something that is complete? Or is it the cherries that makes the tree complete? Or is it the cherry stone in the ground that makes it complete? It's the whole essence of wabi-sabi for me is in the incompleteness because it is the understanding that nature is circular, that um, there is no perfect moment that we are striving towards when we are looking at nature. Everything is a part of the complete, if you will. But we can never see all of the completeness at the same time. Because everything is kind of um, fluid, uh, has many different phases, and all of the different phases are a part of creating the picture of completeness, so to say. So you would have to look at the whole year of a plant or the whole life of a plant or the whole life of a person, basically, to understand something as complete. And even then you can question if it actually is complete. We are completely and utterly living in a world of incompleteness. When we look at it uh, with something like a Christmas dinner, when is that Christmas dinner complete? Is it when we have set the table? Is it when all the guests have arrived? Is it when we are all sitting around the table? Is it when <laughs> we are unwrapping our presents? When is it that things are complete? No, everything that we engage in is a complete story of incompleteness. And if you would like to learn more about wabi-sabi, then I would just encourage you to go in and and check out the material. You uh, all everything in uh, path uh, in path and sky you can get for as little as uh, $2. So it's uh, donation based, but I do ask for a minimum donation of of $2. But you can go in and you can take a look at it in there and where you will get it together with a longer podcast where I'm just talking about kind of like the structure of Wabi Sabi and what it is. And you will also get a, a nice uh, PDF file or essay about Wabi Sabi uh, and some other links that can also help you understand the topic. But what I want to talk about here basically is 
what Wabi Sabi has done for me personally. In my own striving towards being completely perfect, doing everything perfect, doing everything right on time, uh, with my best efforts and, and, and so on, and failing so miserably over and over again, and understand, of course, when you are um, the, a kind of person that would like to do things perfect, then even the slightest little imperfections, they end up disturbing you uh, way too much. And I was working with visual expression at the time, and uh, I had a lot of eyes on what it was that I was doing. <clears throat> and it was frankly completely impossible to just be perfect and just to always deliver the perfect project. Of course, I would always aim for it. Um, but of course, yes, it is just impossible to make everybody happy. And that is including myself. And even sometimes when I thought that I had delivered as much as was humanly possible for me, and I thought it looked great, you know, there would still be uh, critical voices around me and those critical voices, they would really hit me hard. Even the, even a little bit of critique. Um, yeah, and I would maybe not always have the most uh, practical reactions around that, but I tell you that the pain that was going on inside of me it was much, much, much worse than than what I would express or what I would try to hide. It was very painful for me, and I feel like I felt like it was a big letdown when I didn't do things completely perfect. And then all of a sudden, I got introduced to this um, concept of the beauty of imperfection, and it was like. With this, just with this thought, I all of a sudden I could release a lot of pent up steam inside of myself. It, it was uh, taking the pressure off. And it gave me this new concept to work around. Um, and where, of course, maybe uh, someone as an employer or something like that wouldn't embrace the concept of wabi sabi and imperfection. Uh, on its own, then it made it much easier for me to accept my own mistakes and my own flaws so that I could look at them maybe not so much with anger and disappointment, but start looking at them more as a, a part of my character and look at it with more, just try to look at it from the concept of it being interesting and beautiful. And frankly, also just as being a condition of life, that this is not something that can be avoided. Uh, we can't always be perfect. Uh, and also, if we were, wouldn't we just be robots in some strange way? Robots that everybody performs in the same way, does the same way, answers the same way, and so on. That's a way of looking at it. But for me, it was to be able to look at myself with more kindness, basically, and not just look at myself with negative emotions and not just to go through the experience constantly of making mistakes, 
because the negative emotions, the fear and the anxiety, it is not helping anybody. It's not helping you as an individual and it's not helping what it is that you're doing either. So that introduction of imperfection as something beautiful into my life really, really was like a big release button for me. I remember this one story that I uh, read somewhere where it's about the chestnut moon uh, and looking at the chestnut moon. So the chestnut moon is, of course, not the full moon. So it's a couple of days before the full moon. So this is from the understanding that any idiot can look at the full moon and say, hey, it's the full moon and that's it. There it is. It's the full moon. Take a look big and round and beautiful and you can look at it and you can say it's the full moon. But when you're looking at the moon, the chestnut moon, which is a couple of days before the full moon, then it's uh, it's not round now and it's like there's a piece missing of the moon, you could say. there's It's, it's not completely there. There's still a part uh, that is cut off. And that's when you start to engage your own mind. This is where you uh, have to add your own creativity. And when you have your own creativity, then you and the moon, in that sense, becomes part of the same experience. Because something is engaged in you when you're looking at the moon where your imagination gets triggered. And that is an essential part of the concept of imperfection. It is that your own imagination and your own creativity uh, and your own understanding and your own experience of life gets engaged in what it is that you are looking at. You could maybe also say that it's a uh, the chestnut moon is the incomplete moon. Uh, but is it really? Well, it's the incomplete full moon, but it's still a complete moon. Everything is there and everything is exactly the way it is supposed to be because it's going through these cycles where you can so and so much of the moon is uh, being revealed so you can appreciate the, the concept of incompleteness by looking at the moon as well. And of course, in this moment, you also have to become aware of the impermanence of everything that you are surrounded with. Things are always changing. Nature is always changing. The seasons are changing. It's day and night. It's morning and evening. It's midday. you got the hot sun and then you... You have the darkness of the night, then you can see the stars, and we are just constantly living in this evolving, these, these circles that are repeating themselves over and over again. Of course, also with the slight variations, but with the concept of Avisavi, we get to step away from the understanding of perfection and the striving for having everything being in perfect order, that we look completely perfect, 
that we wear the perfect clothes, that we have the cool job, that our kids are behaving and yada, yada, yada. You know, all of these things that never takes place. And also, if we have a moment in time where everything is perfect in the sense, it sure will go away very, very fast. It's not going to stay there forever. It's not a permanent situation. And the real gift of Wabi Sabi is, of course, that with this in our mind, then we can start appreciating, appreciating all aspects of life instead of just zooming in on the cherry blossom, for instance, and say, I want cherry blossom every day. Well, if you're just sitting around waiting the whole year just for cherry blossom to happening, and that is the moment in time where you can be happy, well, then you have many, many, many other days in your life where you would be unhappy. And it is just such a beautiful gift to be able to understand that it's also beautiful when it rains. There is something, there is something beautiful to it. And for sure, we do want it to happen <laughs> because it is quite important to our life <laughs> that it rains. And if we can start looking at the rain and observe how beautiful it looks when it's uh, hitting the windows and the pattern that it creates on the windows, then we have another gift of beauty in our lives. If we can appreciate uh, the snow, the coldness, okay, it's cold and it's ugly and it's this and it's that, but we also know when we look at the snow and we see how beautiful it looks when everything is just white, fresh layer of white, everything is covered with little diamonds. If we can take our time to appreciate that, well, then we have something beautiful uh, in the winter uh, that maybe we forget to appreciate because we just constantly dream about a sunny beach somewhere far away from where we are. Or if we can be together with the crying baby in our knowledge that this is also going to pass. This is just a little phase that we're going through now. And then through this knowledge, we can be completely present in the situation and in some way find comfort in the situation as well as when we are together with the crying baby. And no, 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 <laughs> I'm not asking you to not go crazy. I know it can drive you completely bonkers when you are with a baby that cries a lot. But at least we have to try. At least we have to try and find the beauty in every corner of our lives that we are in. Because then we will also find it. But first of all, I would like to invite you to take the concept of Wabi Sabi into your understanding of yourself. You are imperfect and you are impermanent and you are incomplete. And this is just the way it is supposed to be. This is how it is. And if you can start appreciating your own little so-called imperfections, which can also be translated into your quirks, possibly, start seeing yourself uh, in the ways that your real friends, they actually love you. 
they don't love you because you're so good at this and you're so good at that. Maybe they admire you for it and they support you in it. But it is your quirks, your little strange behaviors, the things that set you apart from others. That is exactly what they love about you. You are a work in progress too. You know, you were not born perfect uh, with everything delivered to you. No, you kind of have to put the pieces together uh, yourself as you find them and as you see them, as you discover them, as you get presented for them, as you learn from what you have already gone through. Believe it or not, but you will learn things that are going to be very important for you <laughs> uh, that you don't already know. And that is the whole cycle of nature. We are nature. We are part of it. The seed is in the ground. The perfect seed is in the ground. And it's alone and it's cold and it's wet. And then at one point it will get a spark to set a root into the ground to start breaking through the ground and to start growing and manifesting as a plant that we can recognize first as one that just simply breaks through the ground then it becomes a bigger plant and then we can start understanding what plant it is then it will start setting the flowers then the fruits and then the fruit fruits will be ripe and we can pick the fruits and then some of the seeds they will fall and they will return to the ground and which part of that process is it that is perfection we love the flowers we do love the flowers but to get the flowers all the other things they have to happen to and that is the grand lesson of wabi-sabi and the reason why I st love talking about it so much is because every time I talk about it I learn a little bit more about it too but we have to understand that our nature is circular that we have things that happens in seasons and it's not just one of the seasons that is the season to live for. We might as well just embrace all of it. We might as well embrace the foggy days where part of our reality or part of our view is being blocked and we can't see it. And of course, enjoy so much when we have the sunny days with the light breeze. We just have to embrace everything that happens in the circular nature that we are so very much a part of. So this was my little introduction to Wabi Sabi. And I hope that you'll be interested to learn more about it. And you can find all the information uh, in the links below. And I am looking forward to introducing to you some of the other topics that we will work with in my new project, Path and Sky. I hope to see you there.